Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today's episode is an episode that I was on with the local legend, digital entrepreneur, radio DJ, Chris Cantori of the U Media. Uh, Chris and I sat down um, at his house to record a podcast, and it was quite an experience for me as somebody growing up in San Diego, listening to Chris Cantori on 91X and 94.9, really running the local music scene. And to think that now I've become friends with somebody that I admired so much on radio um, was something really cool. And part of what we do every week is teaching you how a business can become a media company or a barbecue company that became a media company, uh, developing relationships and learning how to leverage those relationships to uh, get more opportunities for your brand and for your business. Uh, in this episode, we talk about how to get local media coverage and what we did to develop relationships with people on radio, people that write in newspapers, people in local television. And I think um, there's a lot of good information in there this happened in the middle of the coronavirus. I like to say the middle of because we're hoping that we're somewhere near an end, but um, the episode was recorded on June 20th. And we hope that you enjoy this episode. Reach out to us anytime, Sean at CaliBBQ.media. Send us a tweet, Sean P. Walchef. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback and we hope you guys enjoy the show. The Cantori Show. Cantori Show. We've got, uh, we've got, well, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Sean Walchuff. I own Cali Comfort Barbecue in Spring Valley. And uh, recently, actually in the last three years, I've been diving into media, producing podcasts, uh, video content, audio content, written content, and um, have become good friends with Chris Cantori because of it. Yeah, you've got a lot of friends. You've got more friends in this town than I have. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting because I was thinking about you coming over today, and I, I, I had this thought. Which is you're you're a successful restaurateur, uh, great success in the in the local restaurant industry, and a lot of your success is attributed to the fact that you were very proactive in building relationships with local media. Yes, you know it's it's crazy now, you know, especially with coronavirus. But when we when I look back and realize we opened up a business in 2008 during the last recession. Damn, I didn't realize. It so was it was 2008 is when we opened and we opened in a place that any real estate expert, any restaurant expert would tell you what is a terrible location. You know, they tell you location, location, location. And, you know, looking back, it was the greatest gift that we weren't busy, that we struggled like hell to keep the doors open, to make payroll, to pay the bills. Why did you choose Spring Valley? Um, you know, it was it it was actually an existing business that my grandfather used to own. So, oh, okay. you know, there was a relationship there and there was a liquor license. Um, yeah, so it makes it was, sense. The liquor license really was the driving factor that we could, you know, make a family-friendly sports bar um, in an area of town that was underserved. Mm -hmm. So even though a bunch of people thought we couldn't do it, we thought we're crazy enough and naive enough to do it. Um, but yeah, opening at that time, I mean, 2007 is when the first iPhone came out, which isn't that long ago if yeah. you think about it. And, you know, we learned early on that nobody gave a shit about us, that if we wanted to get people to care about us, we had to advertise, we had to do marketing, we had to do traditional marketing. So true. Um, we had to get 
on Yelp. We had to get on Facebook. Um, once uh, Instagram came out, we started doing all these things um, because we weren't busy and because we needed to pay you know, all of our bills. And because of doing that, we learned so much in 12 years that's really helped us now during coronavirus understand that you know we're a digital restaurant. Literally, we're selling things through our website first, and then they're going out for pickup and for delivery. Talk about pivoting and doing so eloquently. It was just amazing how you pivoted during this pandemic like no other restaurant I saw in San Diego, in, in all honesty. I really appreciate that. And, you know, that goes back to, you know, what you had said in the beginning, which is how did we develop relationships with the media? And I think the way that we did was by understanding that social media is really a gift. Digital media is a gift. This phone that every single person has in our pocket, it's a gift that unlocks so much endless opportunity if you choose to use it in the right way. Um, there's a lot of people that ignore it. There's a lot of people that use it um, not in a way that's going to be strategic for their business. Right. Uh, there's so many incredible local people that are writers, local people that are on radio, local people that are in media, and they're looking for stories. They're looking for content. Um, how do you get somebody to care about a restaurant in Spring Valley? Um, you've, you've got to be a part of the community. I mean, that's something that we did even before we started sending out tweets to local um, people that were on radio or participating in um, local sporting events. Getting involved and getting outside of the four walls of our restaurant, caring about our community, not just in Spring Valley, but San Diego and whole. We said yes to a lot of things. And, yeah. you know, we really... We were ne never really and gave a out position. a lot of free shit. <laughs> we gave out a lot of free shit. I was going to say, I looked at your and look at your approach, much like a local band. Yeah. Like you were just getting in the fit. You, you just got in the faces of the right people yeah. to help scale your restaurant. But uh, you really put yourself out there in ways that most people are afraid. You know, let's be honest. They're yeah. afraid to put themselves, their likeness, their, their name, their restaurants out there in such a big capacity. And you went for it and it, and it worked for you. Yeah. I think, you know, that it, it, it worked for us and it was a big risk too. You know, it's something that it, it's easy for me to say. Yeah. You if know, you were turn, serving bad food, yeah, if you're you know, serving if they had food, a bad correct. experience, it'd bite you in the ass. And that's, you know, that's, that's a testament to my team. You know, I've got an incredible general manager, Eric, that's been with us since we opened. Um, Gene Goykache is the reason that we do barbecue. And the fact that some San Diego kids on media talk, you know, on local news talking about barbecue is laughable to right. national barbecue association <laughs> when you go and you're talking about heavyweights right. you know, people like andy harris who i absolutely love he he's a pit master he actually legitimately runs his pits i go and i talk about it right gene's my expert <laughs> like gene's my guy so for me i had to get over myself i had to get over the fact that well what happens when Shally Zamaroni from fox 5 asked me a question about barbecue that i don't know mm -hmm. i had to get over that fact i right. had to just answer and the question the fear part that's i have to answer the question to the best of my abilities but nobody can tell the cali barbecue media story better than i can right because that's why we're here that's why we're putting on this amateur barbecue contest that's a charity event that's why we're developing a relationship with the del mar thoroughbred club and putting on a professional barbecue championship that's how we did all those things but as far as the expert if you want to talk to the expert i bring on gene right you know so but you're the media expert the media expert, <laughs> yes media well yeah i mean that and it's but it's given us the 
ability to develop relationships with people that are very talented at their craft. You know, we're talking about audio, video, and written word. Yep. And that's really what everything breaks down to. And we can overcomplicate it once we start thinking about social media platforms. And I like this one, or I don't like that one. Twitter sucks. Facebook right. sucks. Um, really You're on all of them. Yeah, we're on all of them. I mean, it really <laughs> doesn't if, if If it's a text message, if it's an email, um, if it's a newsletter, you name it, we're going to be there. If it's next door app, yeah, we're going to be there because yeah. that's where businesses are and that's where people are. As it relates to media, though, and please tell me if I'm wrong, I have this vision of you, you set your goal, you wanted to blow your restaurant up and you knew that you needed to embrace local media. Yes. You got into the machine and you realized, holy shit, I can do this. Like there was a time where you put media on this pedestal Correct. until you got in the beast and realized you could do the same thing. Yes. And not only that, in this day and age, as it relates to the aforementioned phone and technology, you, you can do it better in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's given without us, sounding too bullish. No, but, no, you're, you're correct. And it's, it, it's crazy. Cause you know, I, I'm, I love sports. I love sports talk radio, mighty 1090, you know, huge fan of Scott Kaplan. I know you were there and we don't the, talk about that. We don't talk about, we don't talk about the 1090 days, but you know, the 10, mighty 1090 went out of business and, you know, I've been able to develop a real deep relationship and friendship with Scott Kaplan. And to the point where, you know, one of our first podcast episodes in media really was, you know, Derek who owns Valley farm market, myself, Corey, our producer at the time, we went to mighty 1090 and we did a podcast in the middle of the sales office. So not in the studio, just in the middle of the sales office and had a great conversation with Scott about, you know, where media was going, what he was doing was cited way back in the day. Um, but more importantly, why did the salespeople not care about social media of the radio hosts? Right. Why didn't they care about Scott's Twitter? Why didn't, why didn't they, they care monetize about monetize those platforms um, specifically? Not everyone wants to pay for 15 seconds of a commercial that people aren't even paying attention to. Right. Um, and that was back in 2017, you know, and that's looking at where we are now, all the other conversations that we continue to have are people that, like I said, Jim Trotter, you know, Jim Trotter is a local journalist that is absolutely phenomenal at what he does. He works for NFL Network. He's worked for ESPN. He was a beat writer for the Chargers at Damn. the Union Tribune. So he has this expansive knowledge of different types of legacy media, how they worked, what they do. And the more that I had conversations with people like him, um, the more I realized that, you know, it's game changing for everybody. Yeah. It's not just restaurants. It's not just bars. I know. It's, you know, it's newspapers, it's radio, it's TV. Um, and the people that get it understand how powerful that thing is in our pocket. And you're one of those guys that do get it. And that's what attracted me to you initially is I remember when I first met you, I was like, this guy, you know, he owns a barbecue restaurant <laughs> <laughs> and I know he goes on a lot of shows here in town and that's awesome. And then we got to talking and I was just Honestly, I'm, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was so blown away by how like-minded we were when it came to media. I'm a guy who's been in it for a quarter century plus, and you were a guy who was just dipping your toes in. I was like, holy shit, this dude knows more about specifically digital media than 90% of the people that I work with in, and I like the word you used, legacy media. Yes, you not know? old media. No, legacy, legacy media. Legacy media. That's media. There you go, there you go, legacy media. And I found myself, 
really, and I don't as much now, I don't have the same piss and vinegar as you will, but I was really rebelling against that traditional media machine. So when I met you, especially when I met you, it was during a time in my life where I was ready to go full board into digital. Then uh, I realized pretty fast that I didn't have a restaurant. Yes. So I had to go back to radio. And now here we are again, kind of reconnecting. And I've never felt better uh, about my place right now because I don't, I still... In fact, not only do I celebrate traditional media, I mourn for it too. Sure. Because, <laughs> you sure. know, did you hear what happened at KPBS? I did. I saw that. I saw that actually on your Facebook post. Oh my gosh, that yeah. breaks my heart. Exactly. You know, you've got all these talented humans who have been on the front lines of BLM and COVID and they're getting laid off right now. It mm-hmm. just, it makes no sense to me. I try to motivate myself by looking at the stuff you're doing, looking at the world that we live in today and say, I need to plug back in. I need to start producing more content because at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. Producing more, being diligent, doing things on time, being disciplined and feeding the machine. And you've got to feed the machine with good shit though. That's correct. And I think, you know, back to not discriminating on what our perceived notion is of these different types of platforms. You know, I had, um, I went to the, I was very fortunate. My grandfather raised me. I never met my father, but you know, my grandfather was an immigrant. He was born in a village and it was only because of his love of learning, his curiosity, his grandfather taught him how to read, but he read every single book in that village. And so your had, parents weren't in the picture? My, my mom was, your mom. I never met my father though. Okay. Um, which was the Great, greatest blessing ever because my grandfather raised me and he raised me in La Jolla. Interesting. Um, and he was able to afford me to go to the Bishop school. The I high saw school. that post you put up. Um, I which, wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Which is, you know, something that I will cherish for the rest of my life because the people that I met there, I mean, I went to school with Dean Spanos's son, John Spanos. And no matter what people think about Dean, which we all know how they feel about Dean and the chargers, um, the San Diego chargers that used to be, um, yeah. <laughs> John Spanos is incredible. He's an incredible man. And, um, I became friends with him through football. I became friends with him because we played basketball. I didn't know this. Um, we were like-minded and he, he was a hustler. He worked hard. He was not oversized. He was like me, you know, we're scrappers. Um, but I met so many incredible people at the Bishop school. And just recently I had on our podcast, uh, Dimitri Johnson, and he has, um, um, production company in Hollywood. He spent 10 years getting Sonic the Hedgehog to production. Come He's on. one of the producers on Sonic the Hedgehog. That's amazing. Exactly. And he breaks down his thought about TV during, you know, this 10 year window that we're all talking about. And he thought that, you know, I'm in film, I'm too good for TV right. until he got over himself and said, you know, it's just a different medium. Yeah. We're, we're telling stories, Content's it's content. audio, video, and written word. That's and what we're doing. And it could be consumed in so many different mm-hmm. ways. Now, tell me more about your, I'd like to hear about you growing up here. So did you live in La Jolla? Yep. I grew up in, uh, in Bird Rock, La Jolla. Yeah. So so how did your family have so much money? <laughs> uh, it was my, my grandfather was a medical doctor. So he was, uh, so was he, mine. Yeah. He became a medical doctor and then he, uh, started de- developing single family residential, um, real estate and then did some commercial real estate as well. Okay. So he went from a medical practice to, he my, got, never stopped learning. He was always yeah. reading. Yeah. He was just had, a this, this fanatical ability to continue to ask questions and to continue to learn. 
but uh, made a lot of his money in local real estate, it correct, seems like. Correct. Where uh, did you go to grade school, like uh, elementary school and stuff? Uh, I went to Francis Parker. So that's another private school. Another private school. So, yeah. Wow. So you really did have a private school. Yeah. I went to Maryland's for two years, but um, my grandfather and my grandfather and my grandmother, uh, my grandmother was Japanese, not by blood, but she raised me. Um, yeah. They both were focused on education and they wanted to make sure that I got the best education. That that's insane. Yeah. And what were those experiences like? I mean, the experience was, it was honestly, I, I feel like I got a, a deeper education um, than I did at college. And, you know, I, I went to the University of Colorado in Boulder, which was number one party school when I yeah, went buddy. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then I ended up finishing here at University of San Diego, which um, was definitely more of just getting my degree. Uh, but yeah, in, in high school, you just, you can't believe the level of talent that they had on their professor roster. I mean, these people should be Dang. teaching at college, um, but they're teaching you how to think and they're teaching you um, things that I, I still use to this day. Yeah. What was, um, and pardon my ignorance, is is Bishop still, Bishop's still there, right? Yeah. Yep. And what is it? Uh, it's a smaller school. Yeah, it's about a hundred per class. So um, there, I think there's still seven, seventh through, uh, through 12th grade. Okay. So probably and 600 kids on campus. That's a trip, man. Yeah. It's probably about 50,000 tuition a year. I bet. And it's, it's right there in the heart of La Jolla. Yeah. Right. Right. You're at sending La Jolla your Co. kids to Parker and Bishop. No, <laughs> <laughs> I need more barbecue restaurants if I want to do that. Yeah. I feel you, buddy. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's also interesting because, um, I, uh, I lived with, yeah, my parents were around, my dad was around, but I look at my grandfather as the person who raised me yeah. because my dad was at work all the time. And when he wasn't at work, he wasn't the, let's put it this way, the easiest person to live with. So it was my grandfather who really gave me hope, gave me the inspiration, the press forward. It seems like you get a lot from your grandfather. Is he still yeah. with us or? Uh, no, he passed away in 2008, the year okay. that we opened up the restaurant, but he was able, he passed at the end of the year. Um, so he was able to see uh, Corey, my best friend at the, at the time when we opened the restaurant, he was my partner. Um, he saw what we had created. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that for me, you know, I get, I'm, I'm married to a Bulgarian. My wife is a hundred percent Bulgarian. Uh, my kids now I'm 25% Bulgarian, but my kids are more Bulgarian than I am that's because funny. of my wife. Through your wife. Um, yeah. And then every year we get to go back to see her family and, um, it's something that's really special. And I think, you know, being able to have the deep traditions, um, and remembering your heritage and remembering the old country and knowing that, you know, my kids are going to go you know, to hopefully, hopefully we can travel this summer, um, but they're going to go to the village, you know, literally, literally the village. Um, yes, the village has internet, which is kind of game changing. <laughs> and we're talking, then, not, we're not talking La Jolla village. Anymore. No, 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 not La Jolla village. I'm talking like real village, like real village. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that gives a depth of perspective, I think. And that's, uh, that's something that's really valuable, I think, in this day and age. Yeah. And you're, you're a quality dude, man. And I'll tell you, it's, I even hate saying this because it just seems like it's so uh, judgy, but until your recent post when you were honoring your grandfather mm -hmm. over Father's Day, I had no idea you went to Bishop's and, yeah. and, and I had no idea that uh, you went to Parker. And, yeah. and 
I, I think that's awesome because I do know a lot of people who have graduated from those schools and uh, it seems like you, I would never have guessed for whatever reason. Yeah. And I, I hate well, to nobody, say that. Well, you, you, it's so judgy. It's, it's not judgy because if you asked anybody that grew up with me that, you know, that knows me, they were the ones that said, what the fuck are you doing? Open up a, <laughs> open up a restaurant in Spring Valley. What right. are you crazy? That's kind of like, what I'm getting That's at. where you're going? That's kind of where I'm going. And then now 12 years later, I could say, see, I told you we're that's, doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. <laughs> it only takes 12 years. It's hysterical. Proof of concept. You got to do it low and slow. Man, of course. <laughs> so uh, speaking of creations and doing stuff the right way, you brought down, and this is what I noticed during the pandemic. And I mentioned how fast you pivoted where I saw a lot of restaurants in town, you know, and rightfully so freaking out. Sure. Uh, you, I'm sure you freaked out to an extent, but in the midst of the freak out, you created a new business model. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Talk so, to me. So basically, I mean, the full service the full service restaurant model is broken. I mean, you talk to anybody that knows anything about restaurants. Do you think it's coming back? Not, not in its not current Not the same form. way. Yeah, not in its current form. Or the form way it was. Because the, the labor cost is too high to provide the type of hospitality that our brand wants. Right. So if you want to get a five-star experience, a five-star Yelp experience, you have to pay a significant amount in labor, which we do, and we're, we, we're okay doing that. Um, but in order to be profitable, in order to be able to build a sustainable business, um, something has to change, which is why there's quick service restaurants. Those are ones that are the ones that you start to see more and more of. There's right. places like Tender Greens where there's no servers or bartenders. You just go you know, through the line and you get to get your food. But the idea is that people still want great food and they want it delivered in a way that's Uber, right? Yeah. That's Amazon Prime. So we can't discriminate where they're getting the food. We just have to have it available to them. And one of the biggest things that happened from a regulatory standpoint was, you know, when Governor Gavin Newsom and the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, flex, they relaxed a lot of the laws for places that served food to be able to sell growlers to go so um, amazing. for beer as well as um, cocktails to go, which is something that, you know, having run a, a sports bar for 12 years, I, there's no chance no ever that would happen. No way. I mean, yeah, seriously, you ever. think open beverages, Correct. Open, alcohol yeah, exactly. in the car. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like the wild west. So yeah, I mean, it was, it, we started selling our, our margaritas, our Mai Tais, our fish bowls. We created a Tiger King cocktail you know <laughs> back when tiger king was popular and so you're um, so genius. putting it all on social media and letting our fans tell us what they wanted and share it um and they're the most beautiful concoctions yep. and images and these colorful mason jars yep. and it just came at a time where we were just looking for anything to put a smile on Correct. our face yeah just give me a reason to get out get out of the house and I'm then serious. have a virtual happy hour whatever you want to call it so sure. you're doing you're doing the alcohol program and yes. obviously doing the food also. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So let's dig a little deep in, in the food as far. Now I know dork about barbecue. Uh, how do you, how do you explain the type of barbecue that you do? So we do a Kansas city style barbecue. Uh, it's more of a dry rub sauce on the side. And, um, we use old hickory pits. And like I said, Gene Goykache is the one that really helped us learn the recipes, learn the technique, understand how are we going to get it slow smoke it every day. So it's fresh. Um, and for us, really during the coronavirus, it's given us the ability to do a lot of things internally 
internally that we have wanted to do, but this just gave us the reason to do it. So um, our breakfast sales weren't as strong. We were built on breakfast. There was no, um, absolutely no barbecue and no dinner when we really? took it. It was a 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. business. Yeah. No way. So breakfast kept the doors open for like the first three years we were open. And what t- and you were doing barbecue for, or we, or you we, like once a hybrid we started, Yeah, or? we did a hybrid. So we gotcha. did barbecue breakfast, ribs and eggs, uh, pulled That's pork, chilaquiles, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we knew that the amount of labor that we were spending and the sales weren't supporting it. So we'd have to really re-engineer the entire menu. Um, so instead during coronavirus, we were able to just close off that day part and now just focus on what do we do best? Let's focus on barbecue. And did and you learn on the job? Like, did you yes. have, you had to have, right? It's all learning on the job. Yeah, yeah. It was all constant learning. I mean, we'd use podcasts. We use YouTube. We use industry articles, California Restaurant Association. Had you ever run a business before or anything I mean, similar? Not, nothing to that scale. Right? I mean, yeah, nothing on that on I that would know level. what to do. I mean, we started with 18 employees. I think at the peak, we were at 64 employees. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. Um, but yeah, during coronavirus, we had to lay off 27 incredible staff, which, Ugh. you know, we love, we miss. And, um, but we check in with them when, you know, yeah. they're, they're doing okay right now. Um, but we'll see, you know, once, once the, the funds dry up. And how has uh, business been? I mean, I mean, obviously you had to make these tough decisions, but now you have this model and it seems to be working, right? We have never been more confident in opening up more units. They what? will not be the same. Um, but yeah, in the next two years, we plan on opening five um, smaller Cali barbecues. Man, if I had money, I'd invest. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really exciting. Really? Yeah. So you, it, it's giving you the opportunity. So what I'm hearing is maybe in the pre-COVID opening multiple locations would have been daunting because of the dining experience. Correct. But based on the current model. Simplify. And, and how things yes. are shifting, it gives you the ability to expand where you wouldn't have been able to before. Well, it, it's proven what we knew all along, which is digital hospitality is what's going to be the solution for all brands and businesses moving forward. You know who's doing the same thing? Who's that? Starbucks. You ever hear yeah. of them? I've heard of them. <laughs> Starbucks, Panera Bread. Yeah. Um, you name it. If they're, yeah. They're Starbucks exactly. doesn't want people hanging out at their place anymore. Correct. They're moving yeah. everything to a to-go model, yep. grab it and get the hell out. Which is, you know, very scary for landlords um, because a lot of those places have, you know, huge square footages. Right. And what most of these places are going to be looking for are smaller footprints. Truth. So we still need distribution points for point. our product. Um, so that means we, st- you know, we're not, we're not a technically a ghost kitchen. Right. Um, but we will have actual physical locations. They'll just be much smaller. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to do barbecue and cocktails and beer to go. Yeah. I don't think that program's going to, going to leave anytime soon. I'll do be you? up at the, no, I'll be, I'll be up at Capitol Hill. Me that, too. that would be my protest. Me too. <laughs> I know everyone has something to protest. <laughs> That'll be my protest. Yeah. I feel you there. Cause that's something that I, I made jokes about it at the time, but it really was the best thing yeah. to come out of this Huge. thing. Cause I'm right down the street uh, from Ponce's and when I was having a rough night, I yeah. hate to say it, but knowing that I could get a friggin' For margarita sure. to go and go pick up a Mason jar was a beautiful thing. Well, I think it, you know, it also, 
also you start to understand the craft of making a cocktail. Bingo. You know, you start to appreciate bartenders in a way that you never had before. Great point. Right? Because there's so many places that we go to and like that's where they make the best Mai Tai or that's where they make the best Mark. And yeah, you try to do it at home, but it never tastes never. the same. It never tastes never. the same. And my wife tries to fool me and go, look what I just made. <laughs> it tastes just like the Rocio at Ponce. Right. So I'm like, no, it doesn't. Right. And, uh, and there's no way I'm looking at what you brought down, whether it's the Cali Rita or this uh, Tiger King. I could never emulate or make one of those. There's no, no way. And, but yeah, and that's the cool thing is that it, it, it makes it, it makes this experience, this alcohol cocktail experience at home. It's actually a safer way to sell alcohol than right. it is to have somebody drink that amount of alcohol at our sports bar on a fight night, watching Pacquiao or watching the Chargers. And then um, have to and drive get, home. And then get to drive home, yeah. So on a liability standpoint, it's actually much safer. So you're going to be opening more spots in the near future. That's yes. incredible. Yeah. And then still maintaining, obviously, the, the media company. If somebody's interested in getting into the world that you're in, I see... You could be consultant, you know, mm -hmm. you could be doing a ton for other restaurant owners. Yeah. So if, if somebody is interested in reaching out or what, what do you do for people? Um, well, we, first of all, every, every week we host a podcast, which is digital hospitality on all the podcast platforms. And really the goal is to find the best examples of people that are doing it the right way, not just in restaurants, but in media, in sports entertainment, um, in businesses and charities. Um, there's a lot of incredible brands that that once you get this digital hospitality piece, you understand that you have to be digital, you have to sell things through your website, you have to own your content. So, so today, so many people are focused on Instagram, right? So I've got to make sure I post on Instagram today or multiple times during the week. They don't put that content anywhere else. Yeah. The content needs to be focused on the place that actually is going to drive revenue for you, which is going to be your website. And your website needs to be mobile friendly. Yep. So, so many, so many sites aren't mobile friendly, um, which is, which is scary, you know, and I totally get that when, California starts opening back up and they say, okay, well you can do curbside pickup. Well, curbside pickup, that works if you can browse on their mobile site, but how many places actually have something that is an enjoyable experience for you to be able to very few to put something into the car. I mean, even Amazon, yep. you know, and that's the best one that is Amazon prime, but that's the world that we're living in. So the, the easier, the, the people that start focusing on that, um, they're the ones that are going to win. And yeah, we, you know, you I'm, help I'm, people I'm, get there. I'm, yeah, I'm available to talk to any business owner that's, you know, looking at it or interested in, um, and what do they do next? Because it's yeah. terrifying, you know, and it's once you start going down the path of, do I hire a social media agency or, you know, what no. am I going to do? How do I redo my website? <laughs> the, the answer is what you don't want it to be. And that's, you need to take control yourself Exactly. as the CEO, as the, whatever your possession is, yep. you need to take ownership yourself and learn how to use that thing in your pocket. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is fear can be so paralyzing yep. at times, which is why you have to push through it. How do you push through fear? Uh, pushing through fear. I think, you know, perspective helps a lot. You know, when I think of all the lessons that my grandfather taught me and realizing the things that he had to go through to get my family to where we are, um, you know, he got rejected from every medical school in uh, Bulgaria. He wanted, he was a top student, but because he didn't have, his family didn't what have type wealth. Of medicine did he practice? General medicine. Okay. Um, but he, uh, 
because he didn't have wealth, he couldn't get into the medical schools in Bulgaria. So he had to apply to German medical schools in a language that he didn't know. Whoa. So he ended up having to study German in order to study medicine. And that was during World War II. He was getting bombed so much um, during World War II that he had to move from Berlin to Heidelberg to finish his studies. Um, So if I think about what do I have to go through, I have to wear a mask and I have to, you know, know. do this stuff. It's, it's, it gets to be absurd. So if like, if my fear is that I send out a tweet and no one likes it or no one retweets it, I need to get over that because it's just, (laughs) it's just me learning how to do something, how to send out a message, how to ask a question, how to post a better picture, how to post better video content, shorter video content. Um, and by doing that over 12 years, we've learned, you know, a lot about what works and what doesn't work, but anybody that says they're an expert, I'd be very wary of. Yeah. No, I tweeted out a constant learning. I put up in a story the other day that, uh, I've learned not to trust anyone who calls themselves an entrepreneur. Oh yeah. (laughs) I know. Actually, in this case, it was a, I, I met recently a serial entrepreneur. Yes. And this serial, serial entrepreneur, basically I, I should be making six figures by now mm-hmm. and uh, zero. Zero has been the magic. Correct. Number. Right. So, well, I will always be rooting from the sideline. Not only the sidelines, I hope to be involved. Let me say that. Absolutely. As you expand, I'm happy to get involved and help you any way that I can with my little platform. I'm sure we will. 